Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 447 with Dominique Drew, How to Date Authentically. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe a woman of value naturally attracts the respect she deserves in life and love. And if you're looking to build up your confidence and show up more authentically in your life, I wrote a book just for you. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with 30 tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. It's available now on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And this week's tip from the book is forgive yourself and others. We tend to hold on to stuff and man, it holds us back. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies, you know, that, that quote. And I, I really believe that forgiveness is for us. And if we don't forgive, we don't move on. So my challenge to you today is to, if you're holding on to anger at somebody, either talk it out and, and create a better relationship or let it go, forgive and move on. And before I bring Dominique on, I would like to invite you, if you're not already a member of my Facebook group, join us at your last first date. We are a fabulous group of women who are interested in positive growth. And so many groups for singles are focused on, actually, there's no focus. It's just a complete shit show. And so if you are interested in learning and growing and getting to be a better person on your journey to your last first date, join us there. And now for my guest, Domini Drew. She is the premier in personal and relationship coaching. She has a direct intuitive approach and it's unlike anything else in the industry. She solves in mere minutes the issues that people have struggled with for decades. She has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine and Thrive Global. And she loves nothing more than facilitating, facilitating I got that one, powerful transformation for her clients. Welcome to the show, Dominique. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. I love that uh, you help people who are struggling. It's, it's such an incredible feeling when somebody comes to you and says, I've been in therapy for 20 years. I have no idea why I'm still stuck. And boom, you get right to it, right? Favorite thing in the whole world. It really is. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> um, so let's start, with, um, let's start with your definition of authenticity, because I know people define it different ways. Yeah, that's a great question. So the authenticity is really just about facing, acknowledging, and living from who you really are. It's about recognizing the distinction between who you think you are, who other people think you are, and who you really are. And often we don't even give that any thought. And also often we tend to, even when we do give it thought, we will tend to um, be, we'll mix those things up. We think that we are who we think we are. And because we carry that around that idea of who we think we are, we actually miss the reality of what's underneath the surface. And that may not sound like, that may sound like a, a, 
a subtle distinction or it may not seem like it makes that big of a deal, but really you feel like you're just not quite yourself every moment of just about every single day. And it wears on the system and it leads to a whole bunch of other, uh, it messes up your dating life for sure, your relationship life, if you're already in one, your family life, your relationship with yourself, your spiritual connection, um, and ultimately can even um, uh, eventually solidify into health issues because you're kind of trying to be some way that you're not, that your system doesn't naturally want to be and the way your system naturally wants to be is what's actually best for it. Right, your system naturally will keep that balance. That's pretty, pretty well known at this point. And so <clears throat> it's this incredible process of um, <laughs> discovering uh, who you really are and the freedom that you feel when you achieve that is uh, quite astounding. Yeah, well, that, that's a good description. Mm -hmm. That feeling like you're not quite yourself. And I think a lot of people are so numb to that. Like mm -hmm. they're so busy, 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 and uh, just doing lots of numbing things. Yeah, so tell us, what do people do that holds them back from their authentic self? Well, as far as, there's two ways you can take that question. As far as what they do, like the numbing activity you're talking about, that can look like anything, anything. Well, you, know, you sort of think of the obvious things like um, watching TV a lot or staying busy, just you said, right? Why, why do you need to be quite this busy? What, if there were some avoidance there, what might you be avoiding? Um, video games, uh, <clears throat> work, burying yourself in work, you know, more than, than your system really wants to be. But it can also look like spiritual growth or spiritual seeking. Well, you know, I, I found some, I found a method and I had a, a powerful workshop and that was interesting. And now I'm going to try this other workshop. Now I'm going to read this lady's book and now I'm going to go do this retreat. And there's a way I actually notice when, when clients do this, where they're trying to learn everything from anybody. And really there's a, even though that seems like an, on the surface, an admirable thing. Oh, wonderful. Your spiritual seeker. Oh, good for you. Society proves of that. What is it in you? Right. Is there maybe some avoidance in maybe going really deep and actually solving the problem, you know, which may require some discomfort and may require being really honest with yourself and going really deep into yourself. And so it actually, anything can be a way of staying out of your authentic self dating. If your system isn't ready to date, I don't mean like you think you're not ready to date. I mean, like you're authentically not ready to date and you try to push it because you don't really want to face maybe being alone. Then dating would be uh, a defense, so to speak. Right? So it doesn't matter what you do, it matters how you do it. And when you come from that place of, yep, this is, I'm in balance myself, this is my authentic self, then whatever you do will tend to work out very well for you. But if you come from a place of, I'm trying to avoid facing something, then the opposite occurs. Well, that brings up so many things. <laughs> uh, the whole spiritual thing, I think, is fascinating. And I think people do that with education too. I just need one more certification, one more degree, and then I'll be ready, yes. right? So, so they think that their worth is tied to the amount of degrees they have or the amount of spiritual seminars that they attend. And it's also deifying a guru. And that's a big trap too, where you look to someone else to make your choices for you instead of tapping into who you really are. And so that, that takes us into a, a different 
conversation around how do people learn to trust who they are and to really start to do the work to find their authentic selves? The place where I would start is around discomfort. It's a natural human tendency to avoid pain and discomfort, right? Part of that's evolutionary. Um, but most of us leave lives in which we're not in a whole lot of pain. In fact, honestly, we're a little arguably a little too far the other way, a little, little, little too comfortable, not really kind of maybe out of balance in that way. Uh, in the sense that, you know, the intention of comfort is to um, allow you to do more as opposed to being a goal or an end in itself. Um, but, you know, even if not, discomfort is your, your system telling you, it's a little red flag and it could be a little small red flag or it could be a massive red flag and it could go anywhere from, mm, I think I'll just not talk about that particular topic um, to I've ignored things so, so long that now my body's incredibly sick or I'm super depressed or anxious or you know very much down on the other side of the spectrum. Now, naturally we will tend to avoid this discomfort, but in doing so, we lose the data point, a really essential data point because our body is speaking to us. That's one thing that happens. The other thing that happens is we miss out on a really crucial part of life. Like if I were to ask you, what percentage of life would you like to live? How would you answer? 150. Well, live all of it, right? And yeah. yet, when you avoid the parts that you don't really like so much, you're narrowing that percentage. So we all theoretically in our heads while we're sitting here not in pain, <laughs> think I want to live 100% of life. I want the full gamut. I want all of it, you know? Um, and yet when we refuse to feel uh, a certain realm of life, we miss out on it. So, and the way the human system works is the extent to which you are unwilling to feel the um, uncomfortable parts of life to that exact extent, you are unable to feel the elated, ecstatic, full um, aspect of life. And so you literally narrow, right? You can't pick and choose. You either narrow, your, you're either willing to feel it all or you're not willing to feel it all. And if you're not willing to feel it all, then it nar narrows your emotional range quite significantly. And then we find ourselves in these times, kinds of places where life is kind of fine, it's not really inspired or I'm in this relationship and it's like, oh, it's okay, I guess, or, you know, and in this sort of like half lived life. <clears throat> and so what you can do to start is notice the places that you're uncomfortable going. Um, and what I mean by that is let's say you've had a, a negative relationship in the past and you just like, you don't want like to think about it. And you might even put like a faux spiritual slant on that. Like, oh, I don't like to think negatively. Mm, we get a little spiritual BS there, right? That's not thinking negatively. That's just acknowledging what's there. And really you're just unwilling to do that. And you're using a little spiritual sheet over it to make it seem more <laughs> like you're doing personal development work, right? Um, <clears throat> and that tends to happen when people who are, uh, who, have, who are on that path, right? Who are on the personal growth path because your defense will sort of evolve with you and the language that they use kind of changes a little bit. And so if, you're, if you are willing to sit in those moments when your ex comes up, you don't need to go looking for it. But when something painful comes up and you kind of want to distract yourself or go do something else, if instead you just sit consciously and feel your body, because in your body is where life is happening. 
And in your head is where we tend to spend most of our time, another way we miss life. And so in this way, if you sit and just feel the feelings and they're gonna feel uncomfortable and then they're gonna go away, usually within a matter of seconds, a couple of minutes max. And that's actually not that hard to do. It's just a, it's just a feeling, discomfort's just a feeling. It, it can't actually hurt you, but it's triggering all these things in your mind like, oh my God, don't, don't feel that. Don't let it, you know, push it away, quick run away, run away, all these panic. And if you sit with the panic, just let it, then it will just move through you. And then that piece that you felt there processes through the system and is literally gone. That piece is healed. That is the actual healing process in, uh, in a nutshell. And so it, that's what it's trying to do is to process through your system. When it avoids, that's when you hold on to it and it has to come back later. I think that we're uncomfortable with discomfort. And we try to avoid pain at all costs. And that, that goes back to the numbing and the drinking and the shopping and the, all the unconscious ways that we show up. And it also, in the dating world, it means swiping a lot or going on lots of first dates and not being present at all for any of it, right? And so being in your body, and it, this is such an essential thing because most of us live in our heads and have been trained to value our brains more than our bodies mm -hmm. and to disassociate from our bodies. And so that's really, really important. And the other thing that you said that I think is just really crucial is that the amount of time that it takes for an emotion to be processed is so short. So short. But the avoiding lasts for decades, it can last a lifetime, right? And people, it's like so, like this is such a great life hack. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do it, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I had a client the other day who um, has been working through a lot of saboteurs. And so what we're talking about when we're uncomfortable and we have these voices and they tell us to stay small, you know, we can call that saboteur, gremlin, whatever you want to call it. And it's like those old voices that keep popping up and she was making an important decision and all those gremlins started to tell her, oh no, what will happen if this, if this happens and you won't be able to do that and then this and and because of the work she's doing with me, she finally got it. And she went, oh, that's fear talking. Mm -hmm. And within, she said, I was walking from my house to the bus stop. It was 500 feet. It was gone. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, she's it. <laughs> it's so exciting. And she, And then she started to access this higher part of her which has been suppressed because she started to think, oh, and I could, I could grow into this part of me and this part of me, and I don't want to stay small anymore. And so that is the work, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's listening to this, get out of your way, but deal with it. Don't, don't avoid the discomfort because that keeps you in this little box of fine, everything's fine. It's not fine. That's so freaking boring. This is fine enough. Do you want to live your, your life? Yeah. Fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So you mentioned people dating out of loneliness before. And anytime, you know, we do anything out of scarcity, we are not really tapping into our full authentic self. We are dating to fill a void, often making terrible choices. Mm -hmm. People can also be lonely when they're in a relationship. And so how does that happen? You know, what, what has to occur for that to happen? 
the, the times when you're lonely, interestingly, and a little, perhaps a little counterintuitively, the times that you're lonely, whether you're in a relationship or you're not, are the only way that you can feel lonely is if you're disconnected from yourself. We'll tend to think, oh, you're single and so you're lonely, so that makes sense to us. And then you're in a relationship and you're lonely, oh, that doesn't make sense, like that shouldn't happen. Whereas actually loneliness is utterly unrelated to whether or not you're around any other people. I actually used to experience this a lot. Uh, I remember I was on a train, I lived in Boston, and I was on <clears throat> the train and I was surrounded by people. And suddenly I just became aware, it was a very lonely and single period of my life, um, but I was still surrounded by people and I couldn't feel any of them. And I just felt completely and utterly alone. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, you know, in my, in my training, I'd probably been doing this for 10 years at that point. And I thought in my training, I was like, that's, that's not right. Something's not right about that. You know, I, I am, I am, I am wholeness, right? I am, there is no, that which is not me on some great level. Obviously I was not connected to that at that point and that's totally fine. But, you know, I knew at least on some level, like that's not quite right. And I went and had a session with my healer <clears throat> and I connected to myself in a very real way, which in, in order to do that, I needed to acknowledge myself. I needed to be present with myself. I needed to maybe consider the possibility that I might be a little bit okay, just as I was, um, just to let it soften enough to let, my, to let me connect to what was there. Um, and then the next day I rode the train and felt connected to every single person. And still nobody was talking. I know that like trains are still like, you know, it's not like everybody's having a party on there, but um, I felt, I felt connected. I could feel my fellow humans. I didn't feel the loneliness was just gone. And so if you're lonely in a relationship, and in fact, if you have any problem in a relationship whatsoever, every once in a while, there's a problem that you need to work out with the other person, but it's probably like 1% of the time. It's another highly counterintuitive thing. <laughs> really, the work that we do, and you probably experience this when you work with somebody who's in a relationship with someone and you're only working with the one person, but as you work through her issues, the relationship issues on themselves by themselves solve, right? <clears throat> because the reason that happens is because every relationship dynamic is a dynamic. A dynamic takes two. So if one of you stops playing, the dynamic crumbles automatically and the other person doesn't need to be doing their work. And that's really important because I think particularly as women, something that I see people, uh, women doing a lot is trying to fix the other person, right? We're naturally uh, nurturers, we're naturally loving, we're naturally, um, you know, overall, obviously there's generalizations, but overall um, we, wanna, we wanna help, we wanna make things better. Well, that distorts when we defend ourselves, that core quality of oh, love you, I wanna, I wanna help things get better, which is great, nothing wrong with that. But when we distort that, meaning when we use it out of fear, then it becomes, I want to fix you. There's something wrong with you. And this controlling, nitpicking, cutting off of the knees of our men or women or whoever our partners are, cutting off of the knees um, then occurs. And then they get small because we're terrifying creatures when we want to be. And then we look at them and go, Ugh, I hate that you're so small. Why aren't you more? I want a real partner. Why aren't you a real man? Stand up and just, meanwhile, we're cutting them off the knees, cutting them off the knees, cutting off the knees. So, so in that way, and this is really important, and I teach this, you probably teach something very similar. I teach this almost like the very first thing when people begin to work with me, is the shift between, um, is the shift from where you are, 
I have a relationship problem. He keeps doing all of these things, whatever keeps happening in my life, to self-responsibility. Taking responsibility for what's going on in your life, and I mean everything, even the stuff that looks like it has nothing to do with you, shifts you from a place of victimhood to a place of empowerment. And what that does is make the problem from unfixable to fixable. <clears throat> so now there's something we can do, right? An example being, uh, this is also probably something you come across a lot. Um, man, I, I, you know, men just don't seem to want to commit, right? Or, or attractive, you know, quality men aren't interested in me or whatever the sort of however we phrase our problem. That's an unfixable problem. Can't fix men. They can't fix women, right? But if you then shift it to, hmm, Sandy, you know, I, I, I seem to continuously attract men who aren't interested in commitment. I wonder why that's about. Oh, now it's a fixable problem. And of course, as the work we do, you go under the surface, you look at what is under in the subconscious that's causing that, you solve that, you eliminate it, and quite quickly, all of a sudden, a different quality of man is beginning to be attracted to you, sometimes in a matter of weeks, usually actually in a matter of weeks. And so it, it's really, and so it's really important um, to, to take all that responsibility. And it's, it's not that it's your fault, don't, don't slant it that way. It's that there is something in you that is evoking this dynamic, some way that you're contributing. And, uh, and it must be seen that way in order to actually be able to solve the problem. I love this. It's so, it's such an important thing. And it's, it's actually, you know, when you're out there dating, look for somebody else who's taking responsibility. I think the biggest turnoff is somebody who has no idea what they contributed to the problems in the last relationships and says, I don't know, women do this and there's something wrong with women. That's also a big red flag. And so I, I think that we, you know, the, a couple of things about this. One is that we are not a victim anymore. And the other is that we can actually do something about it. And I know people really struggle with this. I, I was once in a singles group and I, somebody was, was being very victim-y and I turned it around and talked about responsibility and they, and they really were like, you know, it was abuse that there's no responsibility except for the other person. I'm like, yeah, you attracted that person. You stayed, you did a whole bunch of things. There's a reason why you fell for that, right? About that. Nobody talks about that. It's like this faux pas every dynamic takes two people. So if you're in a yeah. relationship, and of course there's, there's infinitely- It's not easy. Factors, right. Course, not easy at all, but neither is taking responsibility for your own shit. I mean, it's so deep and it's so yeah. personal and it reminds you of your dad and life or yeah. death. So much, this is such intense things. And, and yet that one thing never changes. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's also like maybe you fall for a scammer online. The first time it happens, it's shocking. I'm like, oh, how did that happen? But when you kind of unpeel it and you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm very empathic. I don't suspect that people are cheaters or liars or all these things. And, and then I got burnt over and over and over. So, you know, if it happens, look at why it happens. How long did you let it go? before you cut it off? And how did you cut it off? And were you firm about cutting it off? These are all things that we can do to empower ourselves. And so th this is really crucial, but I wanna go back also to something you said um, 
that, okay, so you're in a relationship and the other person doesn't usually, you know, will usually shift when you shift. And it's not usually about the other person, it's about you. So, but there is a, there is a point, and I wanna go just kind of uh, um, highlight that a little bit. There's a point when relationships just don't work. So how do you know, what, what's the defining point where you've done all this work, you know, cause a lot of women say, I'm working really hard. How come he doesn't have to do the work? The question for that woman, cause that does, as you said that I could feel the voices behind you of all the people who, who would say that exact thing is why are you continuing to do the work? I'm trying to fix the relationship and he's not. Okay. So a number of assumptions right there. One, the relationship is broken. That's an assumption. You're not happy. That doesn't mean the relationship's broken. You're in a relationship. It just looks a certain way, which you don't like, right? Two, it's a, a thing that needs to be fixed. Three, you need to do it. Four, he won't do it. And so, because if, <clears throat> and, and this is where it needs to go underneath the surface, because if that woman's looking, you know, we all look at society and go, oh, she's working so hard. You know, good for you, girl. You know, he's just not right. Kick him to the curb. And maybe you should, I don't, you know, that, that's totally up to you. <clears throat> Interestingly, that's the part that matters the least. <laughs> Whether or not and when you decide to kick him to the curve is, is actually fairly surprisingly uh, irrelevant in the sense that when you're, you're in this relationship, he's, it's not working. If she were to come to you and say it that, that way, that means that's how she's walking around in life. I'm doing all the work and you're not doing any that's not an attitude that makes the other person want to work on themselves. So boom, there's a little way in which you might be contributing to him not working on himself. The, the, which again, I'm not saying he's the right person for you. It, it doesn't really matter. The, when is the defining point was the question. When is the defining point to where you, uh, it's, it's no longer something you want, to, you want to work through and you just want to leave? The answer is you will just want to leave. But it won't be a lot of drama. The drama is yours. And it's important that you settle the drama. Well, that's not 100% accurate, actually. The invitation of the reality of the moment is that you can, you are being offered an invitation to handle your drama, your drama, which is absolutely being triggered by him, but it is not his because you're the one feeling the emotion. If you do not deal with it now, which you're perfectly free to do, it will show up in the next relationship. So it is in your best interest. If you want to, you can also say, go to hell and you can leave. That's perfectly fine too. Fortunately, we're in a country where you can just pretty much do that whenever you want um, without certain, certain circumstances. Um, and so, and so the, 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 the when to leave question is, it will become easy. In fact, it may even happen without you. It, it won't, it's not something you need to, if you're struggling with it, it's not, if you're struggling with it, there's still a piece there for you. And that struggle you will carry. So what you do is you go, uh, okay, here's our weekly call, Domini, or our weekly call, Sandy. I'm struggling with this. Great. Where are you feeling that in your body? What does it look like? What color is it? Um, if it had words, what would it say? right? Because again, here's the discomfort. Your body is speaking to you and it's saying something very important. <clears throat> you can ignore it. You have free will and you can, and it will come up again in the future. Or you can be like, well, you know, John's an idiot. 
I don't even know what's going on there, but boy, I really get angry every time he, you know, offers to make me dinner. I just hate it when he does that. Cool, that's a piece for you. And we dive down and we look at what that means in your system. And it turns out there's a little part of you that got stuck when you were three and it feels like not independent and it makes you wanna resist every time somebody, you know, tries to take care of you. And so that is your piece. If you take care of all of those things, and it actually can be done. A lot of people, yes, growth is a lifelong process, but you can actually work through like pretty much all of your childhood things and life gets a whole lot better. And it doesn't need to take your entire life to do that. I think that's an important thing for people to know. Um, <clears throat> when you work through all of that, yes, your relationship will get better. That won't make it the right relationship for you in that moment necessarily. But at that point, there will be no drama. And you'll go, mm, I think I'd like some, I think I'd like something else. And chances are, you know, and then he'll, he'll have his reaction and that's how and that's his process. And then he comes and sees Dominique and Sandy. And so, and so <laughs> this growth process, but meanwhile, you're at a place of peace and you just make the choice as if you're like, do I want an apple right now or an orange right now? Because the charge is coming from a young place. It's not actually reacting to the moment because you can do whatever you want in the reality mm -hmm. of the moment. If you feel you can't, there's your red flag. Yeah, that's a good point. I I left my marriage in that place of I'm just done. Yeah. <laughs> I was spent. Yes. <laughs> and and I remember watching Dr. Phil many, many years ago. And he he said, if you still have a lot of anger, you're not ready to leave yet. You mm -hmm. know, it's like it's it's in that place of neutrality that we just it's that we don't love, we don't hate. We're just ready to move on. And that, that was really what I said to my husband. I, you know, I worked really hard to try to make this relationship work and I'm just done. It's just, it's not a relationship that works for me. And that was the moment that he realized I was serious because I had, I had threatened to leave many times because I was unhappy for a long time, but I had to get to that point where I was so confident that no matter what happened on the other side, it would be better for me to walk away. And, and a lot of people wait for that guarantee that something better is on the other side. It's like, well, I can't leave until I know like there's something better, but that's a whole other conversation. What were you gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna say that I, I would even challenge that a step further and say that relationship worked for you very well. Mm -hmm. That was the relationship that was possible for you to do and it, and it did work. Yeah. It just didn't yeah, look. So, look. Yeah, no, and that's that's a good point. I think that we, you know, I, I take ownership for the fact that I attracted in that relationship because it was who I was and what I needed at the time. And I, I stayed for the same reasons. And, you know, you're always making choices and you, you know, it's like, I, I it's just that you can turn it around and say like people who are addicted to negativity and being a victim, they're getting something out of it. Whatever it is, they're getting something out of it. Doesn't work for me. I don't want to be around that energy, but, but it works for a lot of people. And, and then, you know, as you evolve as a person, you realize that's just draining me. I don't want to be around that energy. I need to, you know, look, look for people to be in my life who are going to add value to my life. Yeah. And as you grow, and hopefully each relationship helps you to grow and be more authentically you, 
you start attracting in the right partners for yourself at that moment. <laughs> yeah, and it happens without without your effort. It will happen naturally. right naturally. <clears throat> find yourself. I think I I was one of those people that was very much negative. I was negative a lot, and negative pleasure is a thing. Um, mm -hmm. it, it does. It feels good. It's seductive. Uh, drama. Drama is negative pleasure. Gossip is negative pleasure. Um, you know, ways in which we uh, try to fix people, you know, in a distorted way, negative pleasure. Um, and, and it is, it, it pleasure, it felt good. My, my jokes were really cutting. I had that sort of coy, you know, come get me attitude, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of naturally very flirtatious. That's kind of how I, I interact. The distortion of which, because <laughs> I was defensive, <laughs> was this like coy, you know, push, pull, push, pull. I wouldn't date me then. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, me now wouldn't date me then. This, this sounds terrible. <laughs> um, uh, and then you're exactly right. As I went in, because I was insecure, it was coming out through insecurity. And as I healed that insecurity, um, which is now completely gone. I mean, I have, I have transformed about 180 degrees from starting this work. I don't even look anything like I used to. I mean, it's just completely, I had weight on my body. Um, I had, I was deeply, deeply insecure, self-loathing, self-hatred. I was really uncomfortable in my body. Like nothing I wore felt good because it wasn't the clothes, right? It was my relationship with my body, which was not great. Um, and so, uh, and then as I did this work, I began the process of really falling in love with myself. And I began to, um, take myself more seriously. I began to, um, you know, by taking myself more seriously, I mean, when that discomfort came up, when that voice came up that went, oh my God, I'm panicked, I would stop and listen to it. Oh, what's, what's going on, tell me. You know, and it would have a voice, which is what it needed. That's, what's, that's why it's presenting itself in the moment, right? And I lost all this weight and I got all this more energy. I began to be successful in my business. I'd never made money before. I started hitting all these like crazy financial goals. Um, and I began to radiate from within and people started responding to me differently. People started finding me attractive. People had never really found me attractive before. And it just, it all, again, the only person I worked on was me, but all of a sudden I had this entirely different life. And so it's really important, I think, to know, and I'm sure they get this from you on the regular, the, the level of transformation that's possible. You know, this isn't advice. This isn't telling you what to do with your life. No one can do that accurately. Lots of people will do that. Nobody can do it accurately. You know, you, you need to learn how to look within. That's what I teach my clients how to do is like how to find that inner voice, whether it's you want your intuition or you want to be connected to your body or you want to develop self-love. It's like, that's, that's the process through those things. The answers to your relationship come. So true. I can relate to so much of your story. I, my kids tell me all the time, they don't remember me married which was most of their life, you know, they were teenagers when I left their father and the transformation of who I became when I tapped into who I was, which is why I had to leave that relationship. I was held back. And I remember that feeling. I was standing in my kitchen of my new home, totally empty. My friend came over and brought some drinks for us to toast to the new house. And I just remember like, it's, I'm embarking on this life that I know nothing about. I had just started certification for coaching the day I moved into my house. And so nothing was, nothing was set. There was no, there was no script for my life. 
but it was a, I was elated. I, I was on the precipice of freedom, of choice, of I can choose who I become. And I, I couldn't do it. I felt trapped for a long time. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's, it's scary to a lot of people to know, like, you can choose to be as big as you want to be that that's almost scarier than staying small. But tapping into your truth and owning your truth and seeing your value, which is why I focus so much on being a woman of value. It's like we all have inherent value and we don't know what we're capable of. We stop guarding. I was also sarcastic and cutting. My flirtation was the same formula. I was like, I was putting men down and total emasculation, you know, but with a joke and not realizing, wow, it's like, yeah, I, I, I can't stand sarcasm anymore. It's so passive aggressive and it's not my truth, but you, then you become so attuned to that and other people and you can really support and help other people find their inner voice. That was like one of my taglines was going from obligation to choice and tuning into your inner voice or something. That was like my, my first coaching practice was called chrysalis because it was about coming out of the cocoon and into the butterfly. I mean, it was all about that transformation that's possible. So Hmm. I love it. I think, you know, we, we don't, a lot of people who are in this industry are focused on the externals and flirtation and you should wear tight clothes. And I mean, I've had women come to me and you haven't gone to other dating professionals who have said, you have to grow your hair and you have to wear, you know, clothes that show your cleavage. And that's why you're single. And I'm like, oh God. And, and the people who go to matchmakers who never deal with the inner stuff and then just send them out on dates with people, doesn't matter how successful or good looking or how many degrees they have if you're still stuck in the same old patterns, it doesn't matter who you be. So this, this inner work is so crucial. It's so true. I mean, it's the way through. It's, it's the answer that you're seeking. Everybody's looking for the answers out there. If you haven't found it yet, that's because it's not there. Stay in here. <laughs> so Dominique, this has been such a great conversation. What are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date? Take yourself out on the date. Let that be your last first date to start because you may not know that you're going on your last first date with your partner when you meet them. You might run into them in a bar and have a conversation and that's your last first date. It may not be on a dating app. In fact, it likely won't be. And so instead, nurture this relationship with yourself, not instead, in addition, but honestly, if you're going to one way or the other, go instead. You know, it's not, you know, people say, oh, you, you need to get out there a certain amount and things like that. You don't, you will stumble, you will fall across the right person if that's what needs to happen. Getting out there is great, certainly helps, that's wonderful. But if it's causing you to feel like you're slamming your head against a wall, then it's doing more harm than good. Instead, look inward, romance yourself, fill the bathtub with bubbles and, and, you know, essential oils and treat yourself like a queen every moment of the day. And if it helps, you can keep a a calendar, right? Of days of of how much time a day, maybe you just set a goal for yourself an hour a day. I'm going to treat myself like an absolute queen. And you're going to uh, 
uh, you know, and then, and then each calorie you mark it and then you make it two hours a day and you do it. Okay. Well, while I'm at work or every night when I get home, you know, it's, it's about being honest with yourself and through that develops this incredible realness, this incredible comfort with yourself. And that's what authenticity really is. And from that place, you, this, the self-love just radiates and the people that you want are lining up out the door before you even realize. So go on your last first date with yourself because that is the last first date that you're ever gonna go on. Good advice. Uh, so Dominique, do you have a free gift for our audience or a way for them to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, you're welcome to go to my website, which is dominiedrew.com. And uh, I would love, I would be very happy to offer uh, a free call for anybody who wants to uh, reach out to me and just reference this podcast episode and we can get on a call. And what we'll do is essentially you can, you know, they can, it really gives us some space for you to tell us, um, tell me a little bit about what it is that you're going through, what you're struggling with. And right there on that call, we'll get you some clarity on where you are now and what you need to do differently and shift to achieve what it is that you want. So um, we'll have, we'll block an hour out for it and we'll get you some clarity right there on the call. So just, uh, you can reach out on the website uh, and just reference this podcast. Uh, and if it, or if it works for you, I can just go ahead and include a link um, below the podcast itself and you can schedule it right there. Sure, so we'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today. This has been such an enriching conversation. I love hearing about your transformation and this incredible work that you do to help people tap into their inner worth, their, their incredible, the person that they truly authentically are because it changes everything in our lives. So thank you, Dominique. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on the show. And if you love our show, please rate and review us. We always appreciate that. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon.